0: I'm Annie Doe. I'm in period one of AP U.S. History with Mr. Snedden, and I'm here with my guest.
1: Kevin, I'm back, Mr. Sneddon. How are you? I missed you.
0: Okay. So Kevin, you took AP U.S. History as a junior last year. You're a senior this year. Um, how much of it do you remember? How well did you do in the class? How much did you like it? I just wanna give us a nice little introduction before we jump into <laughs> the actual discussion.
1: APUSH was a good class. I I don't remember that much of it. I feel like I did pretty good in the class. It was a, I'd rate it probably a 7 to 8 out of 10 class.
0: Okay, great. So (laughs) how much do you remember specifically about period 3 of APUS history, which is kind of like the beginning of of our nation with the revolution, um, drafting of the constitution, all that stuff?
1: I mean, I feel like I, I think I remember a lot of it, but probably not that much in hindsight.
0: Okay, now don't get too nervous. We're going to start off with kind of an <laughs> easy intro question. Um, I did steal this from the warm-up Mr. Sneddon, so I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Kevin, do you think humans are naturally good or naturally bad?
1: That is not a very light question. That's a very deep question. (laughs) What are you talking about? Well,
0: no, roll with it. Roll with it. Okay, maybe I should give you a little bit to think.
1: Madison said, humans are naturally, naturally bad. And if there was, if humans were perfect in nature, that, um, if humans were perfect in nature, that there'd be no need for a government. Okay, yes. And i i believe that as well like people are really just imperfect but i don't think that makes them necessarily naturally bad or naturally good it's just they're just humans and what what defines naturally good or what defines naturally bad
0: so your answer basically is they are neither naturally good or there's, naturally bad
1: there's just no standard for what defines as naturally good or naturally bad
0: so humans are kind of just as. This gray shade this kind of middle i think that's a very like realistic view i mean
1: i don't think that nobody's you can...
0: naturally good or bad we're just kind of
1: you just live
0: we just are <laughs> okay we might be kind of lukewarm on this subject but a lot of enlightenment age philosophers of the 17th and 18th century in europe or western europe had very strong feelings on it actually um And they had this idea of a social contract which is basically like a mutual agreement between all citizens of of a community or a nation to obey, obey the government or whatever sort of authority there was because if not then they would just be like just frolicking in some fields picking berries eating raw rabbits. Okay and each philosopher kind of had their own different approach to the social contract. Um, I'm not gonna get too much into that, but um, one of them was John Locke, who like heavily inspired the, the Declaration of Independence. Who believed that all humans have natural rights before the formation of a societal contract or society, and that a societal contract is formed to preserve those natural rights, which are like life, liberty, um, property,
1: pursuit of happiness.
0: Yes, those are Jefferson's. I
1: remember words. that.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent.
1: Thank you.
0: Okay. And the one I really want to focus on is Thomas Hobbes. This dude, in my head, I kind of see him as this grumpy, upset, bitter Englishman because his view on human nature was kind of pessimistic. He thought that, in simple words, that humans naturally suck. Like that we're all evil and greedy and that we kind of are in this social contract so we can suck less so we don't descend into madness and anarchy okay so i mentioned thomas hobbes because i think it is related to the formation of one of the most prominent american political party systems of our nation in its early formation stage which is the federalist party now kevin how much do you remember about this federalist
1: party they liked a strong central government
0: ah ding and ding ding correct <laughs> federalists <laughs> believed in a strong central the, government the
1: articles of confederation thing right like they they just didn't like it and they wanted a
0: they wanted a new a, stronger government The constitution yeah. so the articles of confederation was um the our, the united states's first constitution i call it the baby constitution because it's the one that's kind of like not fully developed it was really weak partly no mostly because after um overthrowing the british rule americans were like we are going to be super independent we're not going to have a strong central government uh, because that would be tyranny like the british so we're just going to make it all states rights and obviously that plan fell apart because you know it was just not strong enough it was too weak yeah the central government was too weak they couldn't um Um, levy taxes they couldn't draft troops they couldn't do anything basically it was all up to the states to come together and work together in agreement which they rarely did you know so the federalists were in favor of this new constitution okay so federalists believe that this new central government should be really strong that we should be you should consolidate power at the federal level in order to avoid anarchy and chaos kind of like what hobbes envisioned before the social contracts and another characteristic of federal the federalist party is that they um they also were kind of elitist (laughs) in a sense that they didn't believe that the common people like you and me would be educated enough or experienced enough to make good decisions and informed decisions. And so they believe that central government should be really strong, but that it should also belong to the hands of like the wealthy elite who are educated and you know just better than peasants. This is
1: the Madison dude too.
0: Yes, James Madison. So James Madison was a Federalist, Alexander Hamilton's a Federalist, my man, and then John Jay <laughs>
1: John, I don't remember John Jay.
0: Yeah, me neither, to be honest, but it's okay. <laughs> so Jay Adams and Hamilton wrote the Federalist Papers, which is like a series of really influential essays. And they spread that out in the American press. And then so quickly, the Federalists start to become really powerful because um, Hamilton wanted to establish his financial plan because he was the secretary of treasury in George Washington's cabinet. You know who George Washington is, right? You remember him? Yes. You remember him, right?
1: He has a tree, the apple tree. He has slaves too.
0: Yeah. This is why Kevin got a four on AP US (laughs) history. (laughs) (laughs) He has a tree and he had a very important role as well as our first president. He had two really important secretaries. He had Alexander Hamilton, who is a federalist in charge of the treasury and Thomas Jefferson, who is the Secretary of State. And we'll get to te- Jefferson later, but now Hamilton. So Hamilton's this Secretary of Treasury. He's a Federalist, and he's super smart, and he's super, um, he's very vocal in the cabinet, in the, in, in the executive branch of the United States government. And he wants to establish his financial plan that one assumes state's debts after the war, because each state's militia from the war had a lot of, a lot of he wants to assume state's debts. So he, he's like, big brother federal government will take care of little brother states, little debts. And then if we all get it together and we form a national bank. So Hamilton wants to establish a national bank. He wants to assume state debts, And he also wanted to increase a bunch of excise taxes on like whiskey production, all that stuff. So he could pay off those debts and he can establish and he can get more credit in the bank. And so he just wants to, basically he has all these plans to reboot and restart economy because it was in shambles after the revolution They yes. had a lot of debt to pay okay and so hamilton presented this plan to congress and then jefferson's like stop you can't do that because it's not in the constitution hamilton and his friends the other federalists basically do a bunch of political maneuvering and compromises that involve stuff like moving the u.s capital and all that and they basically get what they want so the, they assume state debts. They establish a national bank, and it works, and it's great. And then the U.S. quickly pulls itself out of debt, and Hamilton's like super respected and, and powerful because now he's this brilliant dude who's brilliant, and all worked out. Okay. So the Federalists are starting to become very, um, very. What's the word for it?
1: Powerfulish.
0: Yes, powerful-ish. <laughs> The Federalists start to become very powerful-ish.
1: Respected.
0: Yes. But then the Anti-Federalists, the people who, as you can guess from the name, are against the Federalists, get worried. They're like, hey, yo, this is scary. This is just like Britain getting too powerful, making all these political moves and compromises and stuff. So we're going to form our own faction. We're going to make our own political party. And we're going to call ourselves the Democratic Republicans. We're not going to be the anti-federalists anymore because they they were smart and they knew the effect of rhetoric on people. And if you hear yourself as an anti-something, then it obviously is just negative, right? So no, they call themselves the Democratic Republicans. And people in this party include Thomas Jefferson and, surprise, surprise, James Madison, who switched parties from his, he was a former federalist, right? Yeah. he switched over to democratic republicans because he was among the group who thought hamilton was just getting too powerful too bold um so the democratic republicans were really different from the federalists in that they did not believe that the central government should be strong so thomas jefferson and james madison who are the democratic republicans or the leads of the party believed in strict construction. They believed that you should only have the power to do and only do what power is given to you explicitly in the Constitution. Whereas Hamilton and the other Federalists believed in a loose construction, which is more like...
1: Do whatever.
0: Exactly. Do whatever. So Hamilton and his followers believed that you could draw on implied powers in the Constitution, as in... As you can guess whatever the constitution implies you have the power to do you can do it and that included doing having the national bank which is the basis for hamilton's argument back when he was still trying to get the bank and all that so yeah democratic republicans have a more of a conservative view i guess on how much power the central government should have and they also had different views on the economy so jefferson Viewed himself as a farmer, which I thought was really ironic, considering he never actually did any farming and instead had a bunch of slaves on his plantation called Monticello to do his farming.
1: We don't talk about that.
0: Yes, but I dig. I digress. Um, <laughs> Jefferson saw himself as a farmer. He believed in supporting farmers, and so he. It's what. Um, it's what he calls an agrarian society. So he believed that the economy should subsist off the work of honest, independent farmers dispersed throughout the nation. And in the, in the north, in New England, remember that it, there was really bad soil and it's just not a good climate for growing things because it's so damn cold up there. Yeah. So New England was mostly um, manufacturing, boats. industrial work,
1: right? They made yeah. boats. Yeah. I remember that. Uh-huh
0: so hamilton really believed and advocated for um having an industrial economy and having a bunch of manufacturing which is kind of when you think about it it's like jefferson wants to stick to more traditional ways of economy with agriculture good honest planter life and hamilton's just like innovate 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 okay but there was definitely I think it's just because they were from different backgrounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: they grew up differently.
0: They did grow up differently. and it played out in their um, their respective roles in the the government. Okay, so in some, the Federalists were afraid of anarchy. So they wanted a strong central government. They believed in loose construction and implied powers of the Constitution so they could do what they they wanted with the economy, industrialize America with manufacturing and restarting economies and stuff. And then the Democratic Republicans, who were formerly called the Anti-Federalists, but they they rebranded to make themselves a little more uh, friendly, um, were afraid of an overly powerful government like their predecessors of Britain. And they wanted to protect the independence and liberties of like state's rights and they believed in power to the people aka a democratic republic you know uh, they believed in strict construction they wanted an agrarian dispersed society of farmers and like simple living and um, they were backed by Thomas Jefferson and later James Madison okay epic, epic. so now um, my question is if you, Kevin, if you were an American politician in the late eighteenth century, which party do you think you would side with?
1: Um, I don't really know, but I think I'd lean more towards like a the Democratic Republican people because the I've after all like the entire Revolutionary War was fought because like especially like considering the time frame too when you just got out of the war and um you just had a bunch on your hands and then you just fought the whole thing and then all of a sudden the same patterns are repeating then i would feel like i would definitely side more towards a democratic republican approach but then even now i feel like it's still more scary to have the government have too much power than not enough power so Mm. that's where i side
0: i think if I were an American politician in the late 18th century, I would pull up George Washington, would not try to side with anything. I would definitely probably lean towards a Federalist because I like the idea of taking everything and like setting things in motion, restarting the economy, bold strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think political parties were a, a really great idea, especially if you're in a stage of america like these people were where it's just so like unstable and fragile
1: but in this case you were like kind of forced to pick one i remember in gov like the whole system favors the bipartisan well not the bipartisan but like the two political party system because that's a
0: bipartisan (laughs) two is bipartisan
1: no but bipartisan means like two branches of government or something like two parts of congress
0: you mean bicameral
1: oh yeah <laughs> no bicameral- yeah partisan support so by <laughs> both both political party support yeah so yeah it would be a bipartisan system because it's just based off of the winner take all system yes and if you're gonna team up with the dude like there is a really cool like survivor analogy mr mr turner gave us and that you know eventually you're just gonna want to group with the other people if you're gonna want to win the seat you gotta partner up with all the political parties so it really does favor it and i don't blame them for doing it because that's just how the system was built
0: but we built the system nah yes
1: george washington did
0: george washington didn't have a political party
1: i don't know the the first people did Hamilton They whoever... built
0: the system.
1: Okay, whatever. But anyways, this was bound to happen. Political parties, I feel like we're just unavoidable in general. You
0: think they're an inevitable part in and then you think they're an inevitable part of American politics or politics in general?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I think so too. And we even see this in like human life. Human society, outside of politics, people always want a group to belong to. Besides those slow, those outlier stray wolves who are like, I'm independent, I don't need anyone. You know what? Uh, I think humans just naturally tend to go towards group. Humans, whether or not they are good or bad, just naturally have social contracts to form governments and societies and those governments and societies inevitably end up forming factions or groups or political parties or whatever because that's just how human identity works nice thank you for listening to our podcast signing off this is Annie Doe from Period 1 AP History with Mr. Johnson Edden and my guest
1: Kevin Doe
0: class of 2021 <laughs>
1: Bye, Mr. Stannin.
0: Have a good day. Thanks for listening.